How are we doing? <laughs> what a great time of being in God's presence. Amen. Why don't we just pray for these guys again and then just pray for ourselves as we get into the Word of God. Yeah, Father, we thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that we can worship you with the barriers removed. Thank you, Jesus, that when you did say it is finished on that cross, that temple curtain was ripped from top to bottom. No more separation. We can come right into your presence and so be changed. And I pray for your transforming presence to be with those guys doing Alpha that your truth will indeed set them free. We thank you for Joe and the team serving. We pray the same over the kids' work right now as well. And we pray the same for us. Help us, Lord, to have hearts that are just open and receptive to all that you're wanting to do in us and through us. Amen. Amen. Great. So, as it says up there, we are going to be looking at our new church values, a new series. We're going to be spending nine or so weeks going through them. Don't worry, they're not nine values. We're just going to be looking in depth at them. And I just thought, seeing as this is the first uh, session on this, really, uh, just to give a bit of introduction, perhaps a bit of background, why we've kind of decided to go with some new values. Um, basically, as a, a leadership team, we've been looking afresh at what God is calling us to be and do as River Church. Since we were planted, we've had the six Gs. Thank you. We've had the six Gs. Can everyone remember what those six Gs are? No one's going to follow it. Giving gifts, growing, grace, going, one more, growth. Look at that. Very good. Okay, they've served us well, I think. You know, in the years we've, we've preached into those, they've helped us and guided us, really, as to who we've been called to be. But as we've been praying and as we've been reflecting, as I've been kind of just taking this to God, I've really felt that it would be good to have some values that reflect us perhaps a bit more uniquely. Um, since we renamed ourselves or felt God actually giving us the name River Church, we've got a sense of a greater clarity as to the direction and who we actually have been called to be. We've now got this building again. So we're starting to get a bit more of a unique identity. And we really want some values that will help shape us to become the people that we believe God is calling us to be. You know, values shouldn't be a memory test. You'll be pleased to know we've only got three this time, not six. But really, they, I mean, taking ownership of values corporately, I think, is a real strength because it's all about who we want to become. Values shape who we will be. What you value shapes the culture around you. What you value ultimately dictates what you give your time to. You give your time and energy to what you value, don't you? It also dictates what you don't give your time and energy to, if it's outside of those values. And so these aren't just nice words, nice phrases, nice sentiments. Really, the heart behind this is that these will really help shape us in the future to come, in the next few years to come. Values should ultimately help us fulfill our vision as a church, keep us on track, be the rails to keep us on track. So throughout this series, we're going to be applying these new values to our church vision. We mentioned last Sunday the up in out. Many of you will know that. Again, we've been uh, preaching through that numerous times. Just to remind us, I've done a little summary statement about our vision. 
Up is obviously all about God, our relationship and interaction with God. And so we want to see everybody exalting his greatness, enjoying his goodness, and encountering his glory. That's what we want to see every member of River Church doing. The inn is all about our relationship with each other, the church, the course we're in. It's all about walking out our faith and indeed our identity in the context of community. Again, we've preached on this a lot. We have been saved into a family. We're not called to walk out our salvation in isolation, but with one another. As Michaela shared that word, we need one another, as well as obviously the Holy Spirit. And then the out is all about our relationship with the world, our mission as God's resource, displaying his love, making disciples, advancing his kingdom. So that's our kind of overarching vision as a church. So what are the values? What are the values that will help us? in that vision. So we brainstormed, we prayed a lot, we discussed a lot, we wrote lots of things down on a, on a whiteboard, and there were words, there were scriptures, phrases, and they fitted under three clear headings, I felt, three clear values. And the first one is empowered, empowered. What sets us apart as a church of Jesus Christ? It has got to be his presence with us. This is what the church is about. We are the people of God, the dwelling place of his spirit. We're a supernatural people, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we've done these little summary statements here. We seek, therefore, to encounter God's empowering presence. Hopefully, we've been doing that this morning in our worship. Whenever we gather... We gather to live the life he has called us to live. This is why we need his empowering presence, to live out the life he has called us to according to his word. We're going to be looking at that section, that first section, a bit more this morning. Inwards, if we apply that empowered value inwardly to each other, we seek to see each other empowered and built up in our identity, purpose, and authority in Christ. To know God's grace and empowering for a life of love and service. We need his power to help us to love each other and to serve one another. I don't know if you can see that. It's all very tiny. I'll be reading all those out anyway. Outwardly, we are empowered for mission. (laughs) We're empowered for mission to be witnesses. It's the primary reason why we receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, to be witnesses, to see God's transforming presence impacting our communities to be naturally supernatural in our everyday lives. That is the whole focus of Ashburnham this year. Empowered to be witnesses. I'm really excited about that. Do book on by the end of this month. Our second value is engaged. We are engaged. So again, if we apply that to our vision upwards, we're fully engaged in our relationship with God. We're not spectators We don't operate through somebody else's faith. This is all about a personal relationship with our God. We're wholehearted in our worship of him, in our communion with him, and in his word and in prayer. We are fully engaged. We're not just Sunday morning Christians. And inwardly, we're a diverse family, fully engaged with each other. Again, we don't just turn up in isolation and disappear. We're engaged in each other's lives. We're a family. We've been talking a lot about that. Committed to each other in love and in joy. 
want to be a place where everybody truly feels they belong. We're engaged in one another. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone is engaged. Outwardly, we're called to be fully engaged in our community, sharing God's compassion and hope and love. In other words, Sutton should miss us if we suddenly disappeared because we're so engaged in our community. Yes? The third one's a little bit different, perhaps. The third one is extravagant. We value being extravagant. I looked up some dictionary definitions. I really like this one. uh, Extravagant, lacking restraint. I like that. We don't want to be restrained. Very British. We don't want to be over over emotional, over generous. No, no, we want to be safe and secure. No, we want to be lacking restraint, pushing past expected limitations. It's another one. Let's push past expected limitations. Again, applying that to our vision. Upwardly, God has held nothing back from us. He gave his one and only son. We therefore should hold nothing back from God. And that means we are extravagant in our worship, extravagant in our praise, extravagant in the way we we live lives of joyful sacrifice for him, not holding anything back. It is God's extravagance in his grace to us that motivates us to glorify him. Inwardly, we want to be an extravagant, generous people to one another, generous in our time, generous with our homes, generous with our finances, generous in our forgiveness, generous in our love and honoring one another and serving one another. Outwardly, we want to be risk-taking, faith-filled in our approach to loving the world out there, being open-handed with the resources that God has given us, not stingy. We want to send our best. We want to send our best to plant new churches. We want to be extravagant in sowing our time, talents, and money for God's kingdom. God is an extravagant God, and we want to reflect that value back to him, to each other, and to the world around us. So there we go, not six G's, but three E's, (laughs) three E's. We're called to be empowered, engaged, and extravagant as the people. So as I said, over the next, actually it'll be nine weeks, obviously, we're going to be applying these three values to our vision, our 3D vision, if you like. And my prayer is, as I said, really that, you know, prayer should run right the way through these anyway. But my prayer is that these really shape our hearts and our culture as a church you know, so that as people walk in on a Sunday morning or into your small group situation, they actually see these values at work. They go, wow, they might not even understand about God's presence. They'll know something's different with this lot. Something's different. I remember somebody who wasn't a Christian describing when he used to walk in here on a Sunday, he said, there's a, there's a different energy here. It's a different energy. God's here. His empowering presence is amongst us. We want to see these values outwork in, our, in, our, in the way we, we are fully engaged in each other's lives. There's, there's a real excitement and enthusiasm about us. And there's a wonderful extravagance in our generosity and our love as we welcome these people in. We want people to see these values right the way through all that we do. You know, last week I encouraged us to keep light as a focus for this year. Staying close to the source of light as well as being that light. Radiating God's light to those around us. 
And we can easily apply these values to that focus, if you like. Because for a light to work, it obviously needs to be connected to a source of power. The light needs to be empowered for it to be of any use at all. Secondly, the bulb also needs to be fully engaged in the socket. I don't know if you've ever half-screwed in a bulb and it just flickers on and off. We don't want people spiritually flicking on and off. We want to be fully engaged. That light bulb needs to be fully screwed in, twisted in, to actually be of use. And also, it needs to be placed, ideally, somewhere that's not limited, that's not contained, not hidden, but somewhere where its blazing light can be seen by all, where its impact can be felt by all and benefited from. It might be helpful just to keep that image as we go through this series on our values. But this morning, we're just going to look at that first section. We are a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered people. We seek to encounter God's empowering presence whenever we gather to live the life he has called us to live. So this is the value of empowered and how it applies to our upward relationship with God. I think possibly the one thing we value more than anything else or should value more than anything else is the fact that God is with us. It's his presence. We, we celebrated that on Christmas Day, didn't we? The king is here. God is with us now and forevermore. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. That's what truly sets us apart as a people. That's what's always set the people of God apart. Right from the beginning, Adam and Eve walking in the presence of God in the garden. When sin blocked that, God then chose the people of Israel to demonstrate his glory to the world around them. As Moses said in Exodus 33, very famously, he goes, if your presence isn't with us, what is there to distinguish us from the rest of the people around us? It is only God's presence with his people that distinguishes, makes the difference to the other people on the face of the earth. This is our key distinctive. In and of ourselves, we can do very little, actually nothing, of lasting worth. That's why Jesus told his disciples, stay in Jerusalem, wait to be clothed with power from on high. We need that empowering presence. Because left to our own devices, we cannot love as Jesus has shown us to. We cannot forgive as he has commanded us to. We simply cannot live the life he has won for us outside of his empowering. We certainly can't heal the sick and cast out demons and make disciples outside of his empowering love and grace. Yet, with God... Everything is switched around. Everything changes. Jesus himself said in Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. Without God, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. I love the fact that we sang, you know, what was, I can't, can't remember the way it's phrased, is it? Impossible things. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. It just went blank there. Impossible things. He is the God of impossible things. With him, all things are possible. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? <laughs> Thank you. There's a few, if you aren't sure. And again, we, we looked at this at length in our Holy Spirit series last year. But I'd like just to emphasize, I think it's worth 
emphasizing that really the key to God's empowering presence remaining of value for us is rooted in our understanding that we are totally reliant on Him. We are totally reliant on Him. We are ordinary people. Some less ordinary than others. No, no, we are ordinary people, but we have an extraordinary God. We mention that phrase a lot. We are jars of clay. The reason jars of clay was used was because everybody had jars of clay around. They were normal, everyday things, ordinary, and totally unremarkable. Jars of clay yet have such treasure within. We're sheep, yet we have an amazingly good shepherd. We're lumps of stone. Do you get that called at all? You're a lump of stone. Thanks. Thanks very much. But something happens. 1 Peter 2 says, something happens when we come to him, the living stone, rejected by man, but chosen by God and precious to him. What happens? We, lumps of stone, get built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Something happens with God. You know, the Bible is really not very flattering about us as people in our own right. It's not very flattering, is it? You're a clay pot. Mm, Thanks. But as the people of God, empowered by his presence, those who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, those who know it is only because of the cross that we have any standing before God, Then we're described in very different terms. Then we are described as those that reveal the manifest wisdom of God. Isn't that amazing? Ephesians 3.10. You, the church, reveal the manifest wisdom of God. I don't know if you feel like that. You know, we wake up in the morning. I'm revealing the manifest wisdom of God. That's what happens when you walk with God. Maybe tell yourself that first thing in the morning as you're cleaning the teeth. We're described as the bride of Christ, members of his own body. It's just amazing, isn't it? What a difference. We're described as being incapable of being separated from his love. Totally different terms. And actually, God's empowering presence is totally rooted in his love for us. It's totally rooted. The reason we can actually encounter his presence is because of his love for us. That's what sent Jesus to the cross, making the way. We enter God's presence through the broken body of Jesus Christ. It's all rooted in his love. I was reading an interview with Jackie Pullinger. Many of you will know Jackie from her her book, Chasing the Dragon, about her life working in the tourist walled city in Hong Kong. It's now been pulled down. I think it's, um, it's now a park, actually. She described it as her life, not her ministry. She hates the word ministry. She said, I hate the word ministry because it's just my life. It's what we do as followers of Jesus. It's not ministry, it's just our lives. But it describes her life. And, you know, as you read her story and as you listen to interviews and find out a bit more about her, she's one of those people who really make you question whether you're actually a follower of Jesus at all. You know what I mean? It's just like, wow, they're so inspiring, so challenging. 
But I was really struck in an interview she gave. And it was in response to a question asking her, how do you remain refueled? How do you remain empowered? And she goes, when people ask me that, she goes, I always talk about the same thing. It's how to get us sure enough of God's love so that we can then go out and share that love to the lost. How to be so convinced of God's love for me and you that we then go and share it out. She said, I tasted of his love and all I wanted to do was share that love until I die. That's it. It's rooted in his love. And so in her early 20s, some of you will know, she, she uh, left Croydon just down the road. I think she was 22 at the time. Got on a ship, 100 Hong Kong dollars in her pocket and landed in Hong Kong all by herself. The interviewer said, were you scared? She goes, no, not scared, excited, because I knew this was what God wanted me to do, and he was with me. And those of you who read the book and know her story, it's full of ridiculous miracles of how God transformed the very brokenness of people, gang leaders, triad gang leaders, you know, coming off, being prayed off drugs with no withdrawal symptoms. She met her husband as she was praying him off drugs, you know. Just incredible testimonies. There was one guy, as they prayed, they always prayed that they would be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues because they said they need that building up. One guy prophesied, I think it was Philippians 2, or at least half of it, without having, having ever read the Bible. Just out it came, word for word. Amazing stories of God's grace. Incredible. She went on to say, though, that even though she would step over rats and the legs of passed-out drug addicts, and although she witnessed horrendous depravity all around her, she said this, she said, I just felt this incredible joy whenever I was there. She goes, it felt like someone had just given her some flowers or just told her how beautiful she was. It was that feeling she got every time she went into the walled city. And she said, because this was where God was. This was where his empowering presence was. She was working with her heavenly father. It's beautiful, isn't it? Mike Pilavacci tells about a daughter of a friend of his, who's probably a, a toddler, I don't know, about four, four, four years of age. And she asked her dad, can I help you build the fire? They had a big fireplace in their lounge. Can I help you build the fire, daddy? So they went and got the kindling, and he showed her how to put the kindling down first, maybe a bit of newspaper, and then got the bigger logs on top, and he helped her light the, helped, helped her light the fire, and his, you know, the, the little flame started to flicker. And because she saw, seen her dad do this, she knelt down and started to blow on the fire, on the flames. And I don't know if you've ever witnessed a toddler trying to blow out their birthday cake candles, but there is more slobber and dribble that comes out than actual air. You know, almost to a point of, of getting me, a, a, a diehard cake lover, to have second thoughts about having a slice of this freshly moistened cake. But the, the dad was saying this is what was happening with the fire. Basically, as she was blowing wet raspberries at this fire, and all this dribble was coming out, he was like, this is going to actually put the fire out. But anyway, eventually, the flames caught. The fire burst into life. And she turned around, massive grin on her face, and said, Daddy, I did it! And he said, well done, and gave her a massive hug. 
What she didn't realize was, of course, that as she was blowing these wet, dribbly raspberries over the fire, her dad was kneeling down beside her and in time with her breaths was blowing, blowing, blowing. And of course, it was his powerful breath that caused the flames to catch. But Mike Pilavachi adds, he says, even the strongest among us will only ever achieve the spiritual equivalent of a wet raspberry. It's flattering, isn't it? But as we step out in faith and obedience to what God has called us to do, we can know our Father is with us. And as He blows the wind of His Spirit on what we're doing, flames will burst into life. As we look at what the Father's doing, He's with us. As we step out in obedience to His word and His direction and His calling, you know, we might be doing wet raspberries, but it's the wind of His Spirit behind us that causes the flames to catch. He finishes by saying, weakness is the way. Weakness is the way. I think that word that Michaela brought, actually, you know what? We need to recognize, I think, a lot more often than we do, that we are weak vessels. And that's okay. Because when we recognize that, then we realize our need to reach out to God, but also to one another. We're going to be looking more about that next week. Empowered in the context of family. Because God delights to empower the weak. He gives grace to the humble. We need to recognize that. Someone once said that, I think as a church, generally, the church are very good at doing truth, but they're perhaps less good at, being, at doing honesty. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? We need to be honest with our weakness in our relationship with God as well. God, I'm, I'm weak. I need you. I need your strength. I need your power. Already referenced 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 9. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then it goes on to say this, which, you know, you're talking about surpassing power and being empowered, and it goes on, we're afflicted in every way. Oh, great. But not crushed. Perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I find that really interesting. In the context of being empowered, God's surpassing power in us, this treasure. I think it's important to flag that up because if we take a value like being empowered, there can be a sense of almost triumphalism, a bit grand. Hey, we're empowered people. We don't run into difficulties. We don't have any struggles. Zap, 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 I'm empowered. That is not the case. And obviously, as you get into the New Testament, as you read what these empowered people faced, a lot of the time, it was not glamorous. It wasn't headline grabbing. It was simply being empowered to love, being empowered to serve, being empowered to endure. I think we need to flag that up. Empowered living means being empowered to endure hardships as well. In Jackie Pullinger's case, being empowered to love and go on loving the very unlovely, to see God's grace at work in real depravity and darkness, (laughs) to keep on modeling Jesus' love so that one day these people might say, well, if she can love me, 
Maybe, just maybe, there's a God who loves me too. And of course, she found that many, many did realize there was a God who loved them because she modeled it. Empowered to love. For some of us, it has been empowered to keep on praying for different situations. Keep on praying for loved ones. Keep on praying for others to be empowered to break free from strongholds and and darkness that has held them captive. Empowered to continue to walk into freedom. But remember... God's power is made perfect in our weakness. It goes back to acknowledging our weakness and our need of Him. If we're to be an empowered people, we have to acknowledge our total reliance on Him. We're not empowered because we are deserving of any special anointing. We are empowered because we are weak (laughs) and we need His power. So very quickly, how is this value worked out in our relationship with God? Very practically, being an empowered people means we make sure that everything we do has the breath of God behind us. We don't do things because they are a good idea. We do things because we see God all over it. Like that little girl kneeling down at the fire. Her father was beside her. Jesus himself only ever did what he saw his father in heaven doing. He even said, by myself, I can do nothing. It's Jesus. And yet we think, "Eh, I can do some things. I'm okay with this bit, actually. Thank you very much. But by himself, Jesus said, I can do nothing. Why? Because he fully yielded himself to the father. He purposely laid his majesty down poured himself out, it says, yielded to his Father. And I think it's really important to grasp the value of empowerment is actually a call for us to yield. Yield to God, yield to his Holy Spirit. Claire actually um, flagged up a worship leader, Jeremy Riddle, did a, was it a little blog or something he did? He basically said, no yielding equals no power. Simple as that. Goes on to say, yieldedness, if that's even a word, allows God's spirit to flow freely through us, unobstructed. It involves us choosing not to operate out of our strength, but instead allowing his strength to course through us. It looks like strength, sorry, it looks like our strength, but it's not. It's his it's his. A bit like, again, that little girl blowing on the fire. Looked like her strength, but no, no, this is God. This is God. Okay? That calls for us to wait. Again, we've been singing about that. Those who wait upon the Lord renew their strength. It calls us to listen. It calls for us to actually hear and obey that voice. It calls for us to relinquish control. It's a big one for a lot of people. Yielding equals relinquishing control and trusting in God's. And you know what? That can lead us through trials. That can lead us through suffering. In fact, it will. But it will also lead us to the places of breakthrough and of transformed lives. That's the way through. It will lead us to places of freedom and healing. As we yield to his spirit. 
It's all about yielding. Secondly, being an empowered people means we give ourselves to prayer. We give ourselves to prayer. Prayer is basically, in a nutshell, an acknowledgement of our own weakness and a confidence in God's strength. That's what prayer is. Saying, I acknowledge my weakness and my need of God. That's why I pray. The times in my life when my prayer life has drooped is when I have put, I know, too much confidence in myself. I'm I'm fine, actually, at the moment. Thank you very much. I'll just keep motoring on. Confidence in my own abilities and not yielded to God's. I believe it's, it's fair to say commitment to prayer is actually a sign of an empowered people. Commitment to prayer is a sign of an empowered people. You can flip it on its head as well. When we don't pray, we don't see the power. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Zechariah 4.6. Thirdly, being an empowered people also means we gather as a church for God. For God. Not for the lost on a Sunday morning, not even for ourselves, although both of those will benefit, but we gather primarily for God as a church on a Sunday morning. I know some churches dial down stuff that perhaps might not be so seeker-sensitive, you know, more of the spiritual gift stuff. But actually what I really believe, I understand that approach, but I really believe that what seekers, unbelievers are truly looking for is something real, something authentic. Ultimately, they need to experience the manifest presence of God. That's what they need. And yes, it is good to explain stuff that's going on, demystify it, you know. This is happening because God's, God's healing this person. God's setting this person free. God's bringing a tongue. God's bringing a, a, an encouragement. You know, explain stuff, but don't dial it down. Because ultimately, we are gathering for God. We scatter for the rest of the week into the world for the lost, but we gather for God. And because His presence is here, we are equipped, we are encouraged, we are strengthened. You know, that's our, that's our call equip the saints for works of service. But this is our primarily, our, because being an empowered people is a value for us, Sunday mornings, it's all about God. Encountering Him, glorifying Him, honoring His name. Finally, this value of being an empowered people in relationship with God is simply an invitation to deeper intimacy. An invitation to deeper intimacy. Maybe if the van could come back up, I'll just finish on this one. As I said, ultimately, God's empowering presence is rooted in his love for us. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this. I like the way the message puts it. It says, as we gaze on him and contemplate his grace and his glory, our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters and we become more like him. We become more like him. Why don't we just stand to our feet if you're able to? Just like to pray over us as a church. So I said, next week we're going to be looking at the value, the same value of being empowered, but in the context of one anothering, the church. But Jesus, I want to thank you that you have enabled, <laughs> by your sacrifice on the cross, 
your death, and your resurrection to new life, you have enabled us to have a relationship with God. And I thank you that you promised to always be with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence with us right now. And I pray that as we take to heart this value, that actually, in and of our own strength, we can do nothing. But with you, by your Spirit, all things are possible. I pray, Lord, may there be a culture shift in expectancy and faith as we gather, but also as we scatter. Lord, I pray for those who are feeling weak at the moment, who are feeling got at, who are feeling pressed down on all sides. I thank you, Lord, that you are their strength. That in you, they can find rest. They can find peace. And they can find joy. Even in the darkest of places. Because you are there. Pray, Holy Spirit, right now for those people who know, I'm feeling really weak at the moment. Will you just encourage them that that is the place where you can start pouring in your strength and your enabling? If that's you, just respond now to the Holy Spirit as He pours the love of the Father into your heart. If you know that's you, just say, God, I acknowledge my weakness but I also acknowledge your strength. You are my strong tower. You are my refuge. You are the rock on which I stand. Just receive a fresh empowering of God's spirit now. Maybe if you know you've been a bit over-reliant on yourself, you've kind of been cruising a bit, pray just the conviction of the Holy Spirit will bring you to that place of saying, whoa, hold on. I repent, Lord. I repent from self-reliance. Thank you that you brought me to this place of just saying, God, I need you again. I need you in my life. If you've never yielded to God in your life, if you've never allowed him to become Lord, you can do that this morning. You can do that right where you are, repenting of your sins, confessing Jesus as Lord. love to pray with you if that's you after the service but Lord we just thank you that as we yield to you so you can do impossible things through us and I pray that as a church we will increasingly see impossible things happen in the life of the church but more importantly I pray in the life of this community outside and around us impossible things, salvation, healings, breakthroughs, miracles, signs and wonders that point to the beautiful glory of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's worship him, shall we?